All right, Mots, we are back. Episode 166 of the Rink Shrinks. What do you say? You ready to go? Let's go. With NFL playoffs here and the NBA season in full swing, Bet Online has you covered with all the up to the second odds, news, and scores. With additional odds, lines, trends, and info on both desktop and mobile, you can access the world's best wagering information anytime. Head there today to get in on the action and see all the updated odds. Remember to use promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. Mots, uh, great episode on tap here. We have a, a, a fun interview with Brian Decord, goalie coach extraordinaire. But before we get to that, let's uh, chat about the weekend and hockey and everything. How's uh, how's life? What's going on, my man? Yeah, we had a a, a pretty uh, busy weekend. You know, the the Valisani Cup Thayer versus yeah. Saint Sebastian's was Friday evening. Um, packed building over at Thayer. It's a, it's a great tradition. You know, it honors the the late Arthur Valiseni, who's the AD, football coach, hockey coach at their academy for, you know, for decades. So, you know, they they do that. It's always at uh, you know fair, and there's a cup in, involved, and um, you know, it's a good rivalry between the two schools to begin with, and then you add on a little bit of extra motivation to win a cup and or retain a cup, and. Um, you know, I played in it and it's great. You know, so there's uh, alumni kind of weekend around it too. Like everyone comes back and, you know, catches the game. So the place was, was jammed. The The game was great up and down chances at both ends. The only problem that I have with it, you know, so it ended up a two, two tie fi- after oh. five minutes of overtime. And there has to be a winner. I right. mean, like you, you can go down as a tie in the league standings and whatnot. But you gotta you gotta play, you know. But play, you know. What was suggested was a three on three, and then if nothing, then a shootout. Right. You so know? they went to four on four right away. Nobody scored. So yeah, that go to three on three and then a shootout. Right. That's that's what I uh, I thought. You know, they do five on five in in the prep school for five minutes. Oh, and then, okay. Yeah. So this would have just been fun. Like both teams wanted to play. Both kids uh, on either team and. Um, the opposing coach just uh, kind of pulled the plug on it because they were playing the next day. So unfortunate uh, that the boys could not, you know, they ended up retaining it because they won it the year before, but it was very unsatisfying. And the fans, like, you know, the the Sebi's uh, kids were there and, and representing well and their student body as well. So, and they all kind of got involved and, and started uh, booing. <laughs> the, the, the whole situation yeah you don't want to upset a student section no come on that, from right? both so, teams too now you got like that instead of instead of battling with each other now they're just they're just pissed off in general yeah and it was it's rightfully so though you want a winner right whether right. it be you know for i mean as a fan and that's yeah. uh so kind of disappointing but great uh energy great atmosphere really good game um both teams played well um so Overall, you can take some positives out of it, or positives out of it, but ultimately, kind of left you unsatisfied at the end. But yeah, uh, well, yeah, I, think we, I think we got to get the, the the rules defined for upcoming events. For next right. Year. Well, it would just been like a handshake. Yeah, hey, let's keep playing. You know. Right. So, uh, but um, next year we got to go. We got to formalize things. There needs to be a, a Mike Motto rules committee. <laughs> yeah, I would say. Um, 
yeah, Sunday was a busy day for Brooke. Had two games. And, um, you know, they, they came up on the losing end early, but came back strong in the, uh, the second game. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was just interesting because the, the early team was very good and, and they just seemed a little out of sync, a, a step behind. And then they played, you know, a team that they, they handled pretty, pretty well. Um, but they were moving pucks, mm-hmm. you know, and just, and playing the game better. But that was just an example of, you know, you're having success doing that because you have time. But when you don't have time, you should be able to still execute, you know, the right way to play the game and moving right. pucks and letting the puck do the work, defending. Um, I just thought it was it was an interesting example of, you know, the way you want to play, but yet when you don't have to play with pace, you can do it easier. So, like, mm-hmm. it's just about, like, it, for coaches, it's just about being able to do it you know, in, in tight games is very important to kind of, you know, promote and, and kind of as, as you, you're going through a season, you know, you can see the, the difference between the pace of play and the, the quality of execution. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Hey, no, that's good. Good observations. Um, yeah. Same thing here it was a, it was a pretty busy weekend on, on Saturday. I took a ride down to the Salisbury school in Connecticut, which, I hadn't been down there in years, but beautiful campus, beautiful uh, rank kind of, you know, for those people that are listening, obviously we, we, we get pretty spoiled around here with the prep schools. I mean, you were just talking about Thayer and St. Sebastian's, two beautiful elite, um, you know, day schools. Salisbury is a, an all boys school out in Connecticut, which I don't remember the right, like that's a poke. That's a, that's a, you know, from Boston, two hours, 45 minutes all day, you know, Pike forever. And then like 45 minutes when you get off the highway, but Brian played down there. So I, I was able to catch that game as that was going on. Just a great prep school environment. Like the rinks, if, if you walk in on the upstairs level, the rinks up to the right. And then on the left-hand side is like a gym, then wrestling was going on. And then there was uh a basketball game going on. So the place was, you know, pretty, it was buzzing to say the least. It was, it was really busy and uh, exciting. So it made the drive down worth it. It was, you know, you watch a game in between periods. I'm popping over watching the hoop game and everything. So that was cool. Then I bombed back and Colin had a game versus Malden, Malden Catholic on Saturday night. I was able to catch the second and third period of that. And a couple, uh, you know, I think one game on Sunday with, uh, with Liam's team. So, and, and, and that crew is kind of getting ready. We have a couple games left before we head up to the queue, which is, uh, which is very exciting. So yeah, it was, a, a, a some windshield time as, as we like to talk about, but, uh, all, you think those all, are trap games for the boys, you know, like looking ahead to the queue. We're hoping not. We're talking, you know, our message has really been, uh, so we have three games this weekend, two in one day and the kind it's, it's, that's the thing. We're gone for, for at least a weekend, potentially two. So we had to postpone some games and make some games up. Um, so yeah, we're playing two in one day on Saturday, which hopefully the, the, the boys come to play, but that's what we've been talking about. Like every practice and every game, it's like just getting better, doing the little things, not picking up bad habits, uh, being ready to play and compete and, uh, and get things. But tonight at practice, the boys are all fired up. They got their third jerseys, which is a little bit of a, like a Detroit Red Wings slash BU crossover. Pretty sharp. Get a boys. picture of that up on I, the Instagram. I will. So. I'll get it up. I'll get it up. Our boys at Franklin, like I talked about last week, stepped up and Chris Rodé and his crew, they, they, you know, would 
kind enough to donate some um, some money for the jerseys and shells. And the kids are going to be looking fresh. They're going to be looking fresh. I even, you know, we we even made sure that the the red and white jerseys that we currently have, we upgraded the socks. So the, we're going to at least look good out there. Got some new jackets coming in. Some the swag. You, you look good. You feel good. You're going to play good, right? Like Wayne Gretzky says. That's awesome that you uh you guys got that going and you have that trip to look forward to and yeah but keeping them in the present right keeping yeah. them in the present you know there's uh three games left before you get to focus on you know the the big Q tourney but um yeah you know they they're, they're, they're young kids I'm sure they're they're gonna be fine but you know it's yeah so I, I was thinking too we're gonna we're gonna have to maybe record something next week so our first game is February the eighth. Um, I believe it's an afternoon game or maybe it's one of the earlier games in the tournament. So we're going to probably have to do a recording maybe like Thursday night and check in and hopefully I'm in a really good mood if after a W, <laughs> if not, uh, it would be like, you know, I'll be like Elma Fudd over here on the, on the other side of the, the screen talking to you, but. Yeah, we could do some quick hits like throughout the tournament. You yeah. Know, like yeah. just like have some quick updates, you know, so it would be like almost, you know, uh, live, uh, live streaming but you know recorded soon after a game or you know whatever yeah. so yeah, let, let's get like, creative with it let's get creative with it we'll get you with me joanna and liam are loading up the family truckster and heading up there on uh on wednesday so we're gonna drive out i think it's about seven hours so looking forward to that uh you know more windshield time and mm-hmm. unfortunately the older two boys can't make it just they're tied up with their high school seasons i know they're disappointed that they can't go but that's the uh, the sacrifices that that we make. So we'll send them we'll send them some pitches. Yeah, youngest youngest kids always the favorite, anyways. Right. Still yeah. tell them I said that. And I was the youngest. Uh, yeah, there you know. go. Yeah. There you go. There you go. But then, couple high school games. Uh, you know, Collins team they played St. John's Prep uh, was was they're a really good hockey team in the Catholic Conference. Um, CM played those guys on Wednesday night. It was a good battle. It was one, one game. They went to overtime. They played four on four and mm-hmm. um, they ended up squeaking out a win in the last minute they scored, which was a, uh, you know, good win for, for the Catholic Memorial Knights. I think the prep had won 12 or 13 games in a row. They'd already secured the, the uh, Catholic conference championship. And I, I believe they're the number one team in the state. So it was a, it was a good win and kind of teams clicking at the right time heading into the back half of the season here. I think they're at probably game 12, 13, right around there. And typically the high schools play about 20. So it's, uh, it's, it's good. It's been busy and uh, exciting times for sure. Yeah. I, I know the prep, I looked, uh, looked it up. There was, I think they were fifth in the the country in that max preps uh, ranking uh, mm. and, you know, good quality program. So that's a big win for the boys and hopefully, um, propel them to some success here in the the last third of the season absolutely uh did you catch any of the 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 battle of calm ab that was some great hockey played over the weekend bc and bu uh was able to watch most of those games on tv i I didn't catch all of them but it was uh exciting hockey obviously bc took it to them one you know one two games but just unbelievable hockey at the time you know one and two teams in the country uh, were you able to catch up on what would do if did you watch the game Saturday night? What was up with the TV coverage? Oh my god, yeah. Well, so just I just so happened to have my super fan shirt on, um, this evening. Oh you know, boy, yeah. 
Yeah. So um, (laughs) I did catch both games. Um, It's a great rivalry to, you know, number one and number two in the country, like awesome, awesome talent on the ice. Mm -hmm. You know, again, like the quality of hockey was, was really um, high level. You know, the, the building on Friday at BC was, was banged out. That's the, Um, that's the biggest crowd I've ever seen in a BC game. Yeah, and it was, and it was electric. You know, you could see it just from the drop of the puck. Um, BC had, uh, you know, BU hit some posts, but I thought BC played a really strong game and carried the play, uh, capitalized on their opportunities. And then, yes, I did watch the game on Saturday night, and I, I just couldn't. I was, I'm like, what's going on here with this telecast? And so I text a, a buddy. Gotta get the rabbit ass out old school. <laughs> WABU. So Channel 68. Uh, I text the the guy that I do some games with sometimes, and uh, he let me know that they use the feed from the Jumbotron and broadcast it through Nesson when they're at BU. And oh, budget cuts? I, I don't know. And I I just I didn't have a good experience uh you know watching it. Watching it. Was, it. It, the kid you know, got hurt. I forget his name, and they, yeah, they weren't Manian. even showing it. Yeah, yeah. And then there was a little scrum around the net, and they're just showing like kids yeah, eating, so. you know, <laughs> cotton candy and stuff. I'm like, come on. So um, it's crazy. It was. I, it, it actually bothered me. So I just think it's a disservice, though, to you know the two teams and the quality of play that was played on the ice. You know, number yeah. one, number two in the country again, and you know you get you know, a Mickey Mouse production, um, you know, what, what does that say? I don't know. I, I just think for, if you're a college hockey fan, you, you should, you should be rewarded when one and two play against one another. And instead of, you know, just the video, uh, you know, jumbotron uh, feed, I don't yeah, know. At that, least that's if it's opinion. on that ESPN plus app, it's, it's good quality HD. It looked like it was watched we were watching it on a on a, one of the parents from my my old 2009 Terriers team texted us on a group like it looks like we're watching it on a, a crappy live bond feed right i i oh, agree it was yeah and it was like sticking a little bit uh, yeah. i don't know if that was for everyone but for me it was it was just kind of glitchy and yeah just not uh not what you wanted because again that those teams play you know, really great hockey. And, you know, I was more distracted by that than actually watching some of the, the nice plays uh, being made. Right. And just the, the, the young talent that was on the ice, uh, obviously that BC, you know, the freshman line is fantastic. They're going to play for a long time. Obviously, Karagoche is the, unbelievable. The goaltender um, for Boston Fowler, College. Yeah. Um, yes, like, you know, Fowler, is, is he's fantastic. And and BU has a ton of talent as well. Obviously, you got Celebrini, and I love you know Lachance's game around the net. He's a big body, yep. and um, the the what's it Willander, the other defenseman, um, that Swedish kid that Vancouver, I believe, took in the in the first round. And but just it, it was it's such good hockey, and it's uh, like you said, it was frustrating to watch with that just. <laughs> old school i mean it was we're so spoiled now with watching kids in 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 hd it was i'm sure for some of the younger people watching they've never seen coverage look like that in their life oh and i actually for the for bu i really like that stevens kid yes yep 
got yep. some sandpaper to his game and, you know, can play up and down the lineup. Mm-hmm. Um, scored a goal in that, in that Saturday game, but he, uh, he was a, pr- a productive player over the weekend. Um, yes. I know Jay Pandolfo is high on him just as, you know, just a responsible player that can play both ends of the ice. So he was, he was good to watch. Um, but yeah, the, again, back to the broadcast, it was, it was brutal. Yeah. And the, the kid, um, Lucas Gustafson, who I coached, he had one and one on Friday night. He, I coached him when he was a mite down at, in Atlanta. His father, Marcus, played, you know, he's a Swedish guy, played at uh, University of Maine, scored the game winner in the, what was that, 90? 99. 99 National Championship against UNH. And, uh, but he, you know, had a, he's a good player, came up here, came to prep school, played at, um, at Cushing Academy, and then went out, played in the Chicago Steel ushl and he's he looks really good very heady player so it's fun to see some of these young guys that uh you know are now getting older and obviously playing college hockey that you had an impact you know not that i had much of an impact i coached him he was built a Mike, foundation yeah i built the foundation exactly he was a forward at the time and now he's <laughs> back on day but maybe he was uh he was you know he's like yeah i, w- I always was trying to push the d on him Hey, dude, puck moving defenseman, you can do it. But he learned the offensive game from his old man and then said, you know what, I'm going to go back to to playing defense with intelligent players play. There you go, yeah. Game's in front of you, you dictate the pace, and just control the game. Absolutely. Uh, Franklin Sports is the official street hockey, hockey partner of the National Hockey League. Check out their line of official NHL street hockey games and training equipment at franklinsports.com. Today I saw some videos of the Franklin street hockey, um, you know, the, the NHL street program. They were up at the All-Star game, just buzzing around, little kids getting involved, using all the training tools that they have. So it was pretty cool to see up in Toronto, Franklin being well represented. And I already talked to them, you know, giving back, giving back to the youth hockey programs, giving back to my Terriers team, which is really special. And we'll get those jerseys that I talked about. They got a nice little Franklin logo on them. We'll get the posted on and uh, on the, on the social medias. Franklin sports, you know, local to, uh, you know, Boston area and they're just good people doing great things for the game, really. And trying to grow the game in, in every capacity and, um, it's just great. And so make sure you, you check out franklinsports.com to get some training tools and uh, work on your game away from the rink. Absolutely. A uh, couple, you know, news bits around the NHL, but how about Dave Quinn, obviously BU guys, since we're talking BCBU, undergoing hip surgery uh, during the All-Star game, most All-Star break, I should say. Most uh, most coaches and their families are heading off to these beautiful resorts and resorts, and he's having the old hip done, so tough for him but they're saying he's going to be back after the all-star break and um you know hopefully with that new hip comes some some w's for the shocks they, they did uh win their last game before break mm-hmm. um i think I, I read something where it would have been the worst record before the all-star break uh so that, that's motivation enough to to squeak out a win but there is some some positive um you know, momentum there with, you know, the prospects in the pipeline. And, uh, you know, he has a tough job to manage that during this rebuild. Yeah. Um, you know, Mike Greer, you know, being the, you know, the guy behind the curtain, making, making sure that, you know, he's making all the right moves and, and trying to speed it along as best as possible. But um, Dave Quinn is a, is a great coach, great person. Um, you know, and, and again, it's very difficult to be in those positions as a coach. So you have to have a lot of patience, but still, you know, 
level of accountability and expectations, you know, that they shouldn't, shouldn't waver, even though you're losing games, playing the game the right way and, and being a pro, even though you're not getting the results. So, you know, again, he's in a, a tough spot, but, you know, getting the hip surgery, you know, hopefully uh, he, he can sleep well at night. Uh, yeah. I know with my hip, I was having a tough time sleeping and it was affecting my day to day. So hopefully he gets that taken care of and um, gets back behind the bench and, and gets these guys going in the right direction after the break. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, tough news out of Columbus. Adam Fantilli expected to be sidelined for eight weeks with a calf laceration. I'm not sure if you ha- saw the hit, but uh, looked like he was going to play the body on somebody. I forget what game it was, but uh, and then he, he kind of pulled up. So obviously he got some type of laceration. Going to be out for eight weeks. Uh, tough to see, you know, the young talent, him and Bedard, going uh, out for extended periods of time. Um, you know, you hate to see these young guys kind of laid up, but hopefully we we wish him a, a speedy recovery and he's back before you know it. Yeah, he's been a, a really consistent player for that Columbus Blue Jackets team. Um, you know, just being 19 years old, he's third on the team in scoring, uh, fourth in the in the points race for rookies. But as far as um, his impact on that team, and again, uh, I was expecting them to have a little bit more success uh, mm-hmm. personally, but. You know, you're losing more games than you're winning. Uh, it's tough for a young kid, but like he's just looking for an opportunity to really play in the league and and show what he's capable of. And he's been doing a very good job at it. So, uh, yeah, eight weeks is is a tough uh, setback, but you know, get back, uh, you know, healthy and and you know, similar to Bedard, you don't want to rush anything to really prolong an injury. So just take the time and and especially when they're not really in the playoff hunt per se. So you, you right. want to make sure. That, the young talent gets taken care of um, health-wise and then uh, getting back on the ice and, and getting back to that level of productivity uh, as a, a rookie. As, it's going to make the uh, the rookie of the year voting a little interesting with Bedard and Fantilli. They were two guys that were definitely in the mix and missing expen- extended periods of time. It'll see see how that all shakes out. Yeah, Brock Faber is, is uh, right in the mix there, and I like his mm-hmm. game a lot. From Minnesota, yep. he's yep. He's playing some big minutes and has a great head, great feet, good instincts. Um, yeah, so this is an opportunity for him to kind of really take it and run with those two guys out. But um, yeah, it, it's too bad that you know the young, these two young superstars, future superstars, are, are sidelined. But um, yeah, it does open up opportunity for Brock. Absolutely. TSR Hockey is located up in tax-free Salem, New Hampshire, where you can stock up on all your equipment needs. I know I'm heading up there on Sunday before we head up to uh, Quebec to, to Canada to make sure I got you know plenty of tape and um, different things to, to bring up, right? You got to make sure that you're all stocked up. You don't know what you're going to run into when you're up in Canada, if you're going to be able to find a pro shop. So Make sure we head up there and take care of business. But you can uh, you can reach them at their team store where they'll hook you up with all the swag at 603-912-5970. Make sure you ask for Micah Dave and tell them the rink shrink send you. You can also uh, visit their website, tsrhockey.com, for all your shopping needs. Uh, TSR, obviously, they're our buddies. It's New England's premier hockey store, and they are a great sponsor here with the rink shrinks. We appreciate them being with us for a number of years now. So you're gonna hit him on the way up as you're going north? No, 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 no. no. Yeah, yeah, that would be. I mean, no, it, it works out. Go. 
I know. Yeah, you think Joanna would be stopping? In, no. you know, so, hey, we yeah. yeah, we just gotta hit. We up. just we just gotta go see Brendan at TSR real quick. <laughs> Six hours later, we're still there <laughs> yeah. hanging out, talking. He's you know, shopping skates. I'm still shooting pucks in the shooting room. Um, yeah, would be a, we, we wouldn't make it to Quebec by uh, by Saturday. But no, I'm gonna. I actually have a game up at, at the Salem Ice Center on Sunday morning uh, or Sunday afternoon. So I'll pop up there. Uh, you know, either before or after game. Yeah, yeah Joanna would not be letting that fly. No, pick up your hockey provisions for the queue. Love it. Exactly. You gotta, you gotta. Um, our boy, or I should say, you know, former guest, your boy, Zach Parisi, signing a one-year deal with the uh, Colorado Avalanche. Did you have any uh, idea that was going to happen? Obviously, uh, he hadn't officially announced his retirement, but he had, you know, most recently played for the Islanders. But he must be pretty excited to uh, to jump in the mix with those guys and obviously have an opportunity to go win a Stanley Cup. Yeah, when I talked to him, uh, you know, just as the season was approaching, he said that he was just taking some time and was, uh, you know, the option to go back to the island was there. Mm -hmm. But I'm sure as the season progressed, you know, teams kind of move on, right? So I don't know exactly how it went, but I think it's an unbelievable fit for him. You know, he yeah. he can play, you know, in a – supportive role he can still play pp he, he's just a dog on the puck we talk about him a lot when we're referencing players to watch uh for kids you know especially mm -hmm. you know i was able to see him day in day out his practice habits his game habits well his practice habits translate to his game habits he was always just a pain to go against and, you know like it would be like a battle drill or one-on-one -on -one. and he's He's just like biting your ankles and, you know, just like whatever. And then all of a sudden it's like forehand, backhand, shelf, bink. And I'm like, huh. Yeah. And, um, you know, I've talked about this before, but I played the offside. And so in the offensive zone, he was playing, you know, left wing. He'd be in the corner. If he's going in for a 50-50 puck, he is coming out, I want to say 70-30 most of the time with the puck, 80-20. So offensively, I against, could cheat. Against you, was it more like 90-10 in practice? 90-10, yeah. 90-10. <laughs> but like, in like sometimes. We'll blame you having to there. play your offside on that. Right, yeah. Yeah. I think that that's a good one. Yeah. 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 We'll go with what that. <laughs> sure. <laughs> but um, yeah, so this is something that plays into team, you know, concept when you're talking about individual compete. So your teammate can cheat a little bit offensively if they can rely on you to win that puck battle consistently. And that's what would happen. Like I could be in a, a better offensive position because I knew he would come out better for support or whatever it may be. But it, that's something that, you know, if you're watching the Colorado Avalanche and you're watching, you know, some games, watch Zach Parisi and and watch his compete level in, in all areas of the ice. And mm -hmm. he's um, he's a, a great role model for kids because he's, he's a great person. But if you watch him on the ice, he's he's someone that you want to really duplicate some of those skills. So, you know, we, you know, similar to a Bergeron, but you know, yeah. just like a, a different skill set. But giving you know what he has and what he has to work with, he has made the most of it for such a long time, and he's uh, he, you know, he's a, a great friend and great player. So I can't wait for him. I'm wicked happy for his uh, his signing and you know signing with a team that has a real legitimate chance to win the Stanley Cup. Oh, that's fantastic. Good luck to him. Um, exciting times with the All-Star Weekend. Have you uh, you caught anything with that? I was really excited to see some of the behind-the-scenes stuff with the uh, 
you know, the Gretzky, the Walter Gretzky basement. Uh, that seems really, really cool. Obviously, I wish we could have made it up there, but uh, some of the footage that we've been able to watch has been pretty cool to kind of, you know, recreate Walter Gretzky's basement and hearing some of the stories and seeing some of the 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 you know uniforms and sticks and and jerseys. It's just so so cool. Yeah, it is. Uh, you know, it's celebrating the top talent in the league. You know, really, mm-hmm. you know the. I love, you know, I'm excited to see the skills competition and the adjustments that they have made. Um, yep. You know, Gretz talking to Biz's mom, you know, that was, yeah, yeah. I don't know if you saw that. That's a, I saw that clip. Really. What, what, what happened to like, yeah, hey, his son? Yeah. He, he's like, yeah, you're a good looking lady. What happened to your son? <laughs> <laughs> I love oh, it. Unbelievable. One team that I know isn't happy about the uh, All-Star break is the Edmonton Oilers, though. Yes. You know, they're on yeah. a 16-game win streak and have yet to lose in 2024. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? And I mean, I, I just think that momentum could possibly be broken with with a, the, the layoff here over the break. Yeah, but it could also come at the right time where you get a little break. That you know, obviously you, the top guys, McDavid and Drysettle, they're going to be at the All Star game representing, so they'll still be on the ice. And uh, you know, really, ever since they made the coaching move, a uh, couple adjustments, and we talked about it a few episodes. Paul Coffey getting the defense more involved. They're getting better goaltending. It's uh, they're they're a really fun team to watch, and they're they're just they're a wagon. They're you know, it's hard to, if you're looking at halfway through the season here, cup favorites, uh, it's funny how things change, right? At the beginning of the season, it's like the world's going to come collapse, right? The Edmonton oil is McDavid was like under a point of game. It was, it was literally people were, were horrified. And now to, uh, to see the, the role that they're, they're on, it's, it's exciting. Like we always talk about, you know, having the, the best talent, play so great and be showcased and those teams um you know those those Oilers teams they're going to be a force down the stretch here so it's exciting it'll be interesting to see what they do coming up you know if they're going to make any moves add any depth um to see where those guys at but you got a guy like you know a Zach Hyman right he's got what over 30 goals already and it's it's cool to just see uh, you know, those players make you know guys around them that much better and it's exciting it really is I think when you're on a win streak, you know, you, you don't want to break that momentum no matter what. But, you know, to your point, yeah, there's going to be some guys that are going to come back rested. And, you know, they have that positive, you know, mindset now. They, they did go through a little bit of a, a stretch there that, where, you know, nothing could go right. And you saw the frustration. The coaching change helped, you know, kind of alleviate that, you know, in the short term right away. And then, he has them playing a, a, a very Novak has them playing a very up tempo style that they want to play, but with a little bit more structure. Mm-hmm. And that's that's one of the biggest keys that I've seen when I've watched them. And um, you know, they can hurt you in a bunch of different ways. And that's the uh, you know, the sign of a good team. You know, yep. you, you tight, tighten up the defensive side of the puck and you're still gonna get your offensive chances. But that you know, Zach Hyman, in my opinion, He'd be so difficult to play against. He stops on pucks. He's good F1. He's good around the net. He has enough skill to play with those top players, but he has the sandpaper to be so annoying, right? Like just mm-hmm. like just going to the net hard, you know, kind of with his, you know, a smile on his face. He's he's not cheap. 
uh, you know, I always love when, when a guy with a big beak does well too. You know what I mean? It just <laughs> makes me feel good about myself. Yeah. Gotta oh, love yeah, yeah. The, 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 you know, the elephant nose is just stepping up and scoring goals. And he's been on the receiving end of some beautiful plays from the top players, but he has to be in those positions and has to be able to finish. So I right. think that was one of the best signings, uh, you know, in Edmonton to, you know, supplement and complement actually in some level to that, that talent. And, you know, they're a fun team to watch and will be interesting to see how they come out of the break and if they can keep it rolling. Yeah, no, it'd be exciting. And, you know, back to the, to the skills and everything, that'll be good stuff. It, uh, it's always fun to, uh, to watch that. I think last, last year I was at the skills competition down in Florida it was a little bit of a letdown. It was a little too goofy and silly. It yeah. was like, let's bring it back to the, to the basics. So it'd be exciting to watch that over the weekend and watch the game. And some of the, the talent that is going to be showcased during the three on three events will be, uh, will be exciting time. So looking forward to that. I want to, before we get to the interview, a quick shout out to USA hockey winning gold at the uh, junior Olympic games. I was uh, chatting with Jason Guerrero, one of the assistant coaches who was on the show a while back last year around this time of year, right after they won the bean pot actually. But he was over there along with Matt Gilroy, former um, BU, you know, Hobie Baker winner. Um, who's out at the national development program coaching with the uh, NTDP. But those two guys were assistants. The head coach was uh, Joe Bonnet. I know, um, you know, it was, I didn't know much about the junior Olympic games. I don't, I'm not sure if you knew anything about it, Mots, but it, you know, the way Guerrero kind of summed it up to me was, the best, you know, top 2008s. A lot of these kids will end up being kind of national development team type kids. It happens every four years. U.S. went out to um, to San Jose, did a little, you know, I think four or five day training camp, and then was they were off to South Korea for the game. So I was following along with uh, on on Jay's Instagram, just you know, watching some of the things, watching some of the meals that they were eating. Just a, a you know a total different culture and pretty cool experience. I know they beat Canada in the semis, and then beat uh i believe czechia uh four nothing or four one in the final so it always feels good to win and and you know again just uh great to see that the the young talent in usa hockey kind of continuing to get better and these are young 2008 so uh pretty cool i mean i didn't really know much about it and you know because before it would be you know i think before the the national program it would just be you know, you or it would be 17 national team, 16 national team, and you go and yep. play in certain tournaments, you know, usually in the summer. But, yes. um, yeah, so this this is a, a great, you know, event for um, not only just the U.S., but like all these kids at this age group to be able to participate in and, you know, just to get that exposure at that age. And, and um, I'm, I'm happy that the U.S., Came out on top, especially with uh, two guys that we know well as on the coaching staff. I played with Matt Gilroy, and and Jay Guerrero is doing a great job at Northeastern. So, um, yeah, congrats to them. And yeah, you know, we would have to. I mean, see, I'm gonna do a little more research on that. See where the in four years where that's gonna be. Absolutely, uh, Mots. What do you say? I think it's time we head over to uh, our interview with Brian Decord. Obviously, Brian's the goalie coach over at Boston University. He also is the you know owner and founder of Stop at Goaltending, and uh, you know his son Joey. Obviously, coming off a uh, you know winter winter classic, call it MVP trophy, where he really stood on his head. So it was fun chatting with him, and really dives deep into a lot of the goaltending stuff, coaching, uh, you know, the mental part of the game. So uh, I think everybody's going to really enjoy this one. 
before we do, this interview was brought to you by Colony Grill. One of the hottest things about traveling to hockey tournaments is deciding on a place to eat, but it's really a no-brainer. Colony Grill is home of the famous hot oil pizza and one-of-a-kind razor-thin crust. It's comfortable, friendly, and run by hockey people, so there's always a game on. If you're heading down I-95 in the Connecticut, Westchester area, or if you're in Maryland, Virginia, or Florida, there's probably a Colony Grill close by. Bring the team in, order it to the hotel, or even pick up a steaming hot pie on the way to the rink. You'll agree Colony Grill lives up to that hot oil hype. To find the nearest location near your next rink, go to colonygrill.com. Let's kick it over to the interview with Brian DeCord. And our next guest on the Rink Strings podcast was a player at Merrimack College back in the day. He's the current goaltender coach at Boston University, and he's the owner of Stop It Goaltending here in Massachusetts. But, uh, you know, if, if you know the name, you know him. He's worldwide. So welcome to the Rink Strings podcast, Brian DeCord. How's everything going? Going fantastic. Thanks for having me. It's uh, it's uh, exciting to be on. You guys, you guys do an awesome job, um, and I, I think it's uh, – a great thing you guys are doing for the hockey parents because I'm right with you guys. I deal with them every day and it's nice to bring some reality to, to the conversation and some realism. So uh, I appreciate uh, being on today. Yeah, it's been a long time coming. Yeah, I know. This is great. I know you had Corey on not too long ago, so that was awesome. Yes. Corey yes. is uh, a, a long time. He started with us when he was about 13, 14 years old. And uh, he's actually a, a part owner of the company. Not too many people know that. Wow, oh, that's good. yeah, yeah. So yeah, he's well, been he's been thick in it, and it's been it's been great. Uh, he's such a class guy. He's, he's top notch. Yeah, we've had a few uh, a string of goalies. You know, we've had Corey, uh, Jimmy Howard. We had Razor on way back, and yeah, I know he helps out at times, right? Um, well, Razor's on the ice with me almost every day, actually. Yeah. Yes. So we would have, have uh, we have an academy program for goalies, primarily eighth and ninth graders, and they come to the pad. We have a fifteen thousand square foot goalie center in Woburn, Mass, and uh, we work with the kids uh, every day. And the kids are there from eight in the morning till four in the afternoon. So um, it's basically like a one year kind of shot at it, and then they're off to to prep school or to the, an academy after that. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, I think we, uh, you know, there's a lot of stuff that we can dive into. But, you know, while it's kind of a hot topic, uh, you know, we're coming off the Winter Classic here and everybody watched Joey, your son, and and how well he played. And, um, you know, he had a, a great interview on Spit and Chicklets just on his path. And so talk about that that role as a hockey parent, uh, obviously, and, and if you can kind of talk us through a little bit of the Winter Classic, that must have been amazing. And, and the first shutout in Winter Classic history is pretty incredible when you think about it. Who would have thought that? Like, yeah, thought that? yeah. No idea. Yeah. So let, let me say that first off with the Winter Classic thing, it was like being in a Disney movie. <laughs> I mean, you're talking from... So we get there on a Friday night, they're playing Philly and they win two to one. He's first star of the game. And then, uh, then uh, the day before the winter classic, they have the family skate, right? Yeah. So they bring the families down. They actually bring us on the field and they line us up around the glass. And it didn't really hit me like it was no big deal, right? Okay. So I'm standing by the glass watching NHL practice but then I'm watching my wife 
And my wife is like her mind, like she's never been that close and seeing the guys. And, and it was, I was looking around and, and seeing all the families and the parents and, and how many people had never been that close to the ice to watch a practice. And the guys were coming over and knocking on the glass and waving and doing funny stuff. And, and it was, it was really cool. And then afterwards, like literally practice ended five minutes later, everybody's on the ice. Yeah. And we're going around. I know some of the guys and, and had a chance to have some conversations and, and it was, uh, it was like, it was a beautiful day. It was like 42, the sun was shining and it, it was, it was incredible. And then you go in the next day and you know, the, it, it really hit me when that, you guys remember when the helicopters came in? Yes. Mm-hmm. That's when it went like, holy crap, this is a big deal. Yeah. And this is when it really hit me. And, uh, and then I, w- I was, uh, during the game, I w- to calm myself down as the goalie dad, right? I'm, I'm using the Corey Snyder five minute increments, these segments of five minutes. I'm like, just don't get yanked in the first five minutes, please. <laughs> get through the first five and then you get to the next five. And so it's always get to the next five. And then, and then I was like, and he wow. makes that unbelievable save on Eichel. At the end, which is, I don't know if you guys remember, but in Foxborough at the Winter Classic, another stop at client, uh, um, Mikey Condon, Mm -hmm. made that split glove save, iconic picture, iconic moment. It was virtually the exact same setup of a a save. And so it was, uh, it was quite something. And then, and then he goes like, the game's over. And like the whole place is chanting his name now remember this guy's you know he's not jack eichel he's the seventh round pick that has been battling his ass off in the minors to get there right so you get forty nine thousand people cheering his name uh and then he goes out to the that does the t t tnt thing and it was funny because if you think about it they were in center field so that's that's a long way for the dugout what no one saw after the interview they pulled up a cart. You know those carts where they put the football players on when they get yeah. injured? They cart them off the field yeah. and the whole thing. So it's Bowie, the mascot, you know, business best friend. Yeah. So it's Bowie, the mascot. Fresh and off Jordan. broken ribs. <laughs> and they take them around. I take them around the entire field, like the, the, the warning track and the whole thing. And it's like a parade. So wow. there's still like pockets of people. They're cheering his name and he's given, he's given this thing. And then he gets back to the dugout and they waited for the first star announcement. So then they name him for a star. He signs the fish. He throws the fish up into the crowd. I mean, the game was over like 25 minutes ago <laughs> when this is going on. It was, and then he comes out, you know, to see us later. And then, uh, you know, NHL network asked for a father son interview and, yeah. Like it was, it was invincible. It was like, it was the, it was the movies. It was unbelievable. How hard was it for you on that, that, you know, day before skate, not to get down and start, all right, we got to go over this. We got to be ready as a, as a dad, <laughs> right? Like, all right. Yeah. Vegas does this where you, you got to be ready here. Like you're the, the, you know, does the coach ever not, it's got to stay in you at all times. Yeah. You know what? We're, we're pretty good about that now. Um, so it's more like a father and son talk. Yeah. And, and it's, it's more the mental side. I, w- I would think than actual, the X and O's occasionally like, Hey, let's watch a clip. If something happens, like let's watch a clip. We'll watch a clip. 
But for the most part, he's got a great goalie coach. Steve Breer is awesome. I work with Steve when I was with the Maple Leafs. So like we've, we've got this relationship and, and so, you know, that's really Steve's job. And the last thing I want to do is start mudding the water there. So I just talk more about, you know, the, the mental part of the game and just making sure he's, he's sharp and, and it's funny, like, you know, your show is so much like for the parents and, and the hockey parents and, and you're, you never stop being a goalie parent. I, I remember we were talking about Rich, uh, Corey Snyder, but I, I was talking to Rich. Uh, I had a phone call with Rich. This is way back when, and Corey was in Manitoba and we have this long phone call and talking about his coach and the situation and this and that. And I get off the phone and I get another call and it's from a 12-year-old goalie's dad. And I virtually have the exact same conversation. Right. It was the same, it was the same conversation. It, it never changes, right? It's yeah. you know, the, the, the kids grow up. I when last year, um Dreve got hurt right before the first game ever played in Seattle. And mm. Joey got the call to be in the lineup. I'm in Zurich, Switzerland at the time. So he calls me up and he's like, Hey dad, I'm going to be in the lineup first game ever in Seattle. Wow. Can you come to the game? I'm like, dude, I'm in Switzerland. <laughs> You're in Seattle. And he's like, and he basically, I'm paraphrasing cause he didn't say this obviously, but he basically said, Hey dad, all the other kids, dads are coming. <laughs> yeah. pretty yeah, much. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he's basically, yeah. what, he starts rattling off all the dad. Like, okay, yeah. So yeah, I missed mean, this, missed that. Missed, yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So, so like, yeah, it took me 23 hours to get there, but I got there like <laughs> an hour and a half before game time. I, I got there. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. Well, once a hockey parent, always a hockey parent and, you know, whatever level your, your son or daughter play, I, you, you know, I was just watching my son's game and trying to, you know, coach from the zoom, you know, the, from the link. <laughs> You know, so I kind of imagine that experience that you had and you were able to experience with uh, your family watching your son. Amazing. Well, what, what what's really interesting is like kind of digesting it afterwards. And, you know, a lot of a lot of what I thought about, it was the same thing. I had the exact same experience when Joey played his first game. So Joey was at ASU mm-hmm. and he signed with Ottawa. He played on Saturday night. Uh, um in Lehigh Valley, uh, playing in the the um, Sweet Sixteen there or the the, yeah. the regional. NCAA regionals, NCAA yeah, yep. regionals, and then so he goes, he flies home the next day to Arizona. He flies Monday morning. He signs. He flies to Ottawa that day. Gets in like two o'clock in the morning, and like three days later, then they go to New York. He's playing his first game, first game ever. So they play him right away. First game ever. It's three and four nights on the road, the last week of the season, they're in last place and they're playing Buffalo and it's Jack Eichel bobblehead night. There's 18,000 people. there. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah. So that was his first game and he had 40, he had 40 shots, 40 shots. Uh, he did all right. They lost five to two. Um, but I had the same feeling afterwards. There was a sense of, of relief yeah. because as hockey parents, we have so many decisions to make with our kids. And we're pulled, especially now, we're pulled in so many directions. That tournament, that skills thing, play for that team, go junior, stay in prep school, like all this stuff. And, you know, 
there's so much money involved with hockey now and it costs us so much. And I don't want people to take offense to this, but it's not really the money. It's you don't want to make the wrong decision for your kid. Like I can live with making a bad financial decision when it comes to hockey, but you're always stressed because you don't, you want to give your kid a chance, right? The kids love hockey. So you want to put them in the best position to succeed. And I, I went a little bit, I didn't go exactly the the course that, that let's say is generally accepted right now. I was a little, a little bit old school in the way we did it. I mean, Joey played division two public high school hockey for two years. Like, yeah. so I, I went a little different in, in Joey's route. And like, you're always questioning yourself, should I do this? Should I do that? And so when you have a pinnacle moment, like his first game in the NHL or that winter classic, which, you know, forever will be special. Like it's a feeling like, Hey, I didn't screw up as a dad. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't screw this up. Like, okay, he got, he got here. He had his day in the sun. And I think that, I, I think that we all feel that as parents, we just, we just want to make the right decisions. Right. And, and, I think when you get those moments, you kind of feel like, okay, I, you know, I did all right. You know, we did the right thing for the most part. Great stuff. Yeah. Could, could you talk uh, about your time in college, uh, you know, with Jim Logue and, and uh, some of the things that you experienced through your college career and, you know, your pro, can you just talk about your path and how you kind of kind of worked your way into the coaching side of things and ultimately opening up your, your own goaltending school and, and academy. And I just think it's so specific. The, the goaltending position is so important, Yeah. but, and like how you saw the, you know, position of goaltending kind of develop and, you know, progress over the years from when you played, you know, through the nineties and then, you know, through the two thousands and what the current state of the uh, position is right now. So I, I played at Merrimack. I, I, I went to Europe. I, I actually played three years. I signed after my third year and I went to Switzerland. I, I, I was very fortunate to play seven years in the National A League there, which I, I never made it to the NHL. Thankfully, Joey's better than I am or I was. But um, so I didn't make it to the NHL, but I, 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 I was able to play in Europe. And one of the things you talk about Jim Logue, like what a resource Jim Logue is and, and as a, a goalie coach and the whole thing. But at that time, the goalie, the, just having a goalie coach on a regular basis just wasn't what you did, right? right? And then, so I remember, do you guys remember Marco Barron from the Bruins, goaltender from yeah. the Bruins? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So when I'm in Switzerland, we didn't have a goalie coach, right? So I'm in Switzerland, and they brought in Marco, and he taught me some structure. And I'll never forget it because it was like – wow, like this really helps. He gave me a structure and a, and, a, and a system in which to play certain situations. And I thought it was great. But but once again, like having someone there regularly, it was like you, you get a guy once in a while. And when I was a young kid, we didn't have specific goalie camps. And when I, when I was done uh, playing, I really wanted to create a system, a structure, a mm -hmm. way to develop. And I wanted to, I wanted to coach. I wanted to be a, a an NHL goalie coach. So this is kind of a, a funny story. So way back when, when I was done, I went to a kiosk and I got myself printed a business card. And the business card said, Brian Decord, 
assistant coach, Boston Bruins. I put the, I put the Causeway street address, the whole thing. And I shoved that in my wallet. And, uh, four years later with like, what's the, I was never drafted. I played in Europe. I didn't have any NHL ties whatsoever. I set this crazy goal that I wanted to be in. I didn't put goalie coach because at that time you didn't really have the full-time goalie coaches still at that point. So I put that down and I use this, you know, you guys know who Tony Robbins is, Anthony Robbins. Oh, yeah, yeah. So he's got this thing I saw and he said, do two things every day to move yourself towards your goal. So I pulled that thing out every day and I tried to do two things. Could have been a phone call, watch a game, get to a rink, write, write an article. It could have been two things. So I always was trying to move forward and, and get to that. And somehow miraculously uh, I went to see, and this is doing an extra thing. I was home at Christmas. I'm from Montreal. So I went to see Robin Burns at ITAC and I just popped in and my wife was mad at me because we're in Montreal being family for Christmas and I'm going to make an interview or going to make a meeting with Robin Burns. So I, and Robin was a neighbor of ours. So I went to meet with Robin and he goes, Hey, I'm representing coaches now. Would you ever be interested in coaching? I said, yeah, of course. That's what I want. He says, well, get me your resume. Yeah. I already got a business card. Yeah. I got a business card. <laughs> and then, so, so Robin, right. About four months later, Byron Defoe goes to Pat Burns and says, Hey, you know, I'd like a, a young progressive goalie coach. And then Pat calls Robin Burns says, Hey, do you know anybody? He goes, yeah, I got a guy in Boston. And then wow. I end up the goalie coach of the Boston Bros. Amazing. Wow. Yeah. Crazy. Right. Like, and, the, and, and the chance of that happening is next. You guys know how hard it is, right? Like yeah. it's, it's next to impossible, but, but it worked. It, it, it got me, it got me there. And then uh, I went from there. I went, I went uh, to Mannheim. I coached in Mannheim. That was like, I know you guys were talking about a German trip, right? Like, um, so Brian, it was that you that, that, yes. went on that? yeah. Okay. Yep. So like Mannheim, like people ask me all the time, what was the best NHL team you've ever worked for? And I say Mannheim in, in the DL, like they were unbelievable. They were so professional top-notch organized like everything was incredible i was there for six years i actually worked for jeff ward uh we won a yep. we won a championship um and leachy was the assistant coach of that team really yeah great yeah. guy so yeah so so he's in seattle now which is which yes. is kind of funny um and then from there i went to toronto and i was uh, a goalie scout for five years which was the greatest job ever just go around the entire world watch goalies and interview goalies. And then from there it was Arizona and, um, and then uh, now it's Boston university. So but, when you were, when you were working in the, in Mannheim, were you yeah. there on a regular basis or were you kind of back and forth? How did that all work out in, in, you know, raising a family and everything? Greatest gig ever. <laughs> leave, leave, listen to this one, leave on a Monday night. Land first thing, 6 a.m. Tuesday morning, go to practice Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, fly back on Monday, one week. I did wow. one week a month. Oh, that's fantastic. And it was yeah. it was well paid. It was an <laughs> awesome job. And and remember, going back a little bit, you didn't have the game stream like you have now. Right. So it wasn't like I was sitting there watching all the games, you know 
three hours, two and a half hours sitting there watching games. I would get the clips and it was so, it was a great gig. Yeah, it was, it was awesome. And I'll tell you what, Jeff Ward, what a great, what a great coach he is. He's excellent. Yeah. Yeah. I had him in Boston. He's, he's a great guy and knows his stuff. He was very, uh, you know, you know, hands-on and like, you know, again, like even as an assistant, he, he was in, in tune to the details and really wanted to help each player individually. You know what I liked most about him was that he was so calm in between periods, right? Like, like it, it'd be, you come in between periods. It was very analytical. It was very mm-hmm. calm. And I thought he was great scratching players. I thought he's the best I've ever seen scratch players. So he'd come in and he'd go, Hey Mike, you got a second, Mike, you're not going to dress today. Uh, you're going to skate in the morning skate, but you're not, you're not going to play tonight. Uh, I need you to keep on working on your game. Just be ready. You know, we're going to turn to you pro- probably pretty soon. And that was how it. Many, how many times did he actually have that conversation with you? Mots? probably a couple. <laughs> <laughs> Mots yeah. is like, don't remind me. I know. Mots has just uh, like an itch all of a sudden in his neck. <laughs> I heard that script, Brad. Yeah. yeah. But it was, you know what it was? It was like, like hey, we need some shooters for the goalies, though, Mots. Yeah. If you want to hang around, get a little, get, give them a little bit of confidence. Love it's to have you out there. Yeah, 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 when you're gonna play a little, we're gonna play a little three on three after practice. It'll be fun. <laughs> he, he didn't try to blow smoke up their ass. He didn't like. He kept it real. Like he kept it like a pro. And this is the deal. This is what's happening, and that's that. But he was honest, straightforward, and short. Yeah. Right. It was just to the point. Here's the deal. Move on. And then everybody knew where they stood. And I respect. I respect that about him. I, I think he's one of the best I've seen take care of business like that. Yeah, just speaking of uh, getting scratched, and I was like a mid-season <laughs> black, but black ace for uh, you know my last year of playing. So I did a lot of goalie uh, shooting. So you know now that when you know I get on the ice with the goalies and you know doing certain drills, I was like, hey, this is like you know exactly was my job for my last year of playing. <laughs> I was like a assistant to the goalie coach. So it's always good to have good shooters, though. Uh, you know that you aren't trying to score. <laughs> But when uh, when Mike Canuble was starting off with the Bruins, yeah, he was a fourth liner. He was a healthy scratch guy. He was my like he. I got on the ice. He was with me. Like he was unbelievable. He shot every day for me. And then one day, I don't know what happened. I don't know who get got hurt, but it was they threw him on a line with Joe and Sergey, yeah. and he scored two goals his first game, like on on one of the top lines. And he never looked back from there. And like he had that, that every day tips, screens, like he did, he worked his butt off. He, and it, to me, it amazes me sometimes. Like I'll look down on the ice and I'll go, like I'm doing goalie drills. And I'll look down at the other end and guys are just screwing around. I'm like, don't you want, like, don't you want to be down here? Right. Yeah. As, a, as a player. And, and I, I think about like your kid, you know, your kids and stuff like that. Like, we have the at Stop a Gold, and we got the greatest job ever for high school kids. Oh. We pay kids fifteen dollars an hour to shoot pucks, and they come in for three hour sets. Yeah, and it's an, it's the best after school job in America, and they learn they learn goaltending. It's a yeah. it's amazing what it's amazing what they can pick up, mm-hmm. and and the the best experience I ever had was we had, uh, this is going back a while, we had uh, an instructor late for a session. 
and he he's got two shooters. So we were one shoot one uh, director and two shooters. So the director gets there. The shooters are running the session. He's late. The shooters are running the, because they've done it so many times that they know. They knew right. what to tell the goal and they knew what to do. It's amazing. So I think there's like one of my best shooters ever was Mike Souza. Oh yeah. Yeah. He would, he would come out with me. He would shoot. Oh, he would spend the summer shooting for me. He was awesome. That's great. Yeah. Mike's obviously an unbelievable guy and had a heck of a career, right? At UNH yeah. and, and then obviously professionally, I mean, he was a, a, a dynamic goal scorer in his day. And I think playing with, you know, Krog and Hadar and those guys really helped him out too. He knew how to go to the net and get that shot off quick. And if you understand the goalies, like I marvel at like an Austin Matthews. So do you know how many goals he scores after crossing the transition line? So a goalie has a transition line. So a transition line. So picture a line from the net to the bottom hash mark on the half board. Okay. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's, that's what we call a transition line. And when a player skates into that dead zone, when he crosses that line, that's when a goalie then enters his post and then starts going down into his RVH. Austin Matthews, he takes one step over that transition line, he shoots. And it's amazing how many goals he scored from a goalie in transition. You remember Chicago's in in Philly, the the, the winning goal? The game goal? That was it. I was going right. over the transition line and a goalie in transition, but like people that guy, the kids that shoot, they learn all this stuff. Right. So it's really a, a tremendous uh, tool for them to have in their toolbox to understand what goalies do and why. And then like, like for, for a le- for a winger right now for a forward, if they don't understand the difference between a goalie uses an overlap and a goalie that uses an RVH, that's going to change what they what's what they're going to see on a net drive. Mm-hmm. And so if they study, if they study goalie a little bit by being a shooter, they learn that kind of stuff. Oh, guys in an overlap, I'm going around the net. I'm not right. scoring from this angle or I'm looking to pass. I'm not scoring a goalie overlap. Yeah. He's a big guy, six foot four. Guess what? He's probably not going to overlap. He's probably going to RVH going to RVH. Where am I going to shoot? I'm going to probably shoot off the hip. Yeah. Because, Okay, you guys know when they changed the goalie equipment and they they kept on they wanted more goals, right? So they kept on changing the goalie equipment, making it smaller, and the goalies kept on getting better. Do you remember that? Like the goalies yeah. kept on, oh, yeah. they kept on making the equipment strong, but the goalies could move better. But the one thing that no one understands is they made one subtle move that changed everything. They rounded off the goalie pad, uh, the goalie pants. Yeah. They rounded off the 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 thigh and the hip area. So before it was blocky. Yes. So you got, if you hit the hip area, that puck didn't go in. Now, if you can find the hip area, now it's going to hit the hip and it's going to go in. Wow. So a, a perfectly executed RVH will not give you that. But if it's not perfectly executed, there are holes. We all see the hole up over the shoulder, right? You see those goals. Yeah. But there's also pay attention to those goals that go a goalie in an RVH when he's down on his post. How many will find that hip area? And goalies will tell you that shot, you know, that 12 inch shot right over the pad. So many of those used to be stopped because of the pants. So mm-hmm. many of that RVH, that, that, that post integration was taken care of because of the pants. 
the pants that no one even thought twice about really ended up the biggest change that the NHL made to equipment. Wow. Can you just for our, you know, forward and defenseman listeners, can you explain the RVH just because I know there's probably some people that might be a little bit confused. Yeah, exactly. Uh, An RVH. So one pad along the ice down on the ice and the other pad up vertical, horizontal. All Mm -hmm. right. So now it used to be a VH. So your strong side pad would be up and your skate on the ice and the other pad would be down. Okay. Reverse R so RVH reverse vertical horizontal. So now you've got the strong side pad down. So when the goalie gets down on the ice on his post and he hugs the post, then that that's going to be an RVH. And that's, that's where you see where your nook and cranny, you're going to put it up over the shoulder or you're going to put it off the hip, just throw it off the hip. Yeah. 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 And how, at, at, you know, at stop at goaltending and you working with younger guys, at what age are you starting to teach that? Right. Because just as a coach, right. And I've coached, you know, from call it mini mites all the way up now mm-hmm. to the midget level. Um, and you see some kids that I feel like it's like, Hey, you're going down way too early. Right. And just be an athlete in there. Right. That's kind yeah. of my advice as a, as a guy that, you know, used to shoot on the goalies. That was it. Yeah. Um, but what is the age that, that you're kind of introducing that stuff? All right, so you're gonna you're gonna say this is totally self-serving, um, and USA Hockey would probably shoot me for this. There's two windows of optimal trainability, okay? That is right around that 13 mm-hmm. years of age. Like we've all seen the USA Hockey studies that shows like between the ages of 13 and 15, that's your maximum retention in the shortest period of time. Mm-hmm. The thing that no one talks about, honestly, is it's also at six years old. Yeah. There's a spike at six years old. So you take you take my situation specifically. Joey did 16 lessons before he ever stopped stepped on the ice with a team or a practice or anything like. So I got a really, really like a jump start. I could start with him with no idea what to do, how to do it, and I could mold that like from nothing. And I thought it was the greatest thing. I thought that gave him such a good advantage. And the common thought is that, Oh, you got to wait till they're a little bit older to get training. If I had to do it with my kids again, I would have, I would have had them with a hitting coach at six. I would have had them with a golf coach at six. Like that's such a great age because they they're just learning how to move their body and you can teach them some of the fundamentals and these techniques. So think about, think about how, how, how hard it is when you got a guy that won't that like a skater that won't bring his feet in Mm -hmm. and he's on the railroads and whatever, and you kill yourself as a coach trying to get him to pull your feet. And guess what? If you got that kid at six, you teach him a stride, he's going to keep that stride. So I know it sounds disingenuous because I'm in the business, and it doesn't mean you should go hard and heavy every year. All uh, like, but that is that is a peak that no one ever talks about. And I think like when I look at programs that do a very good job, I'm in North Andover. We got the Islanders Hockey Club here. Yep. And they have their learn to play, learn to play hockey type of thing. And I've seen that. It's six coaches on the ice, all individual skill work all over the place. 
And I go, yeah, that's it. You know, and, and, and I sit there going, if you get your kid in that program at that age, he's probably going to be an EHF player. Like he's probably going to have a chance to play at a high level and then mm. stay, stay at that high level and progress with some of the better kids if you get in early. And I know like you say hockey doesn't want me to say this because they no goalie training until 10 or 12 or whatever. But I don't think it's too early. And I think if a kid loves goalie, why not? Why not get them trained? Why not teach them how to, how to play the game? But you're right. Like Brian, like you have to have the mix. Mm -hmm. You can't be one way or the other. Like you got to have a mix of athleticism and technique and structure and you have to, it's always, it's always a, a struggle, right? You, you guys know as coaches, like how technical do you want to get, you know, with your guys, you know, you want them on the right side of the puck, but every once in a while you sneak over there, you get a break where you win the game. Once in so a while, like, stop cheating. Yeah. You know, like, so, so like it can't be one way or the other. So I think we've done a really good, so this is our 25th year anniversary. I don't know if you guys know this, it's 25 years that we've been wow. doing this. I remember I started with 12 clients. And on a synthetic sheet in the ice center, and there used to be a room and it was a small room. It was like 17 feet long and 12 feet wide. And I started doing lessons there. And I remember if you, if you did lessons back then, people looked at you like you had three heads. What do you mean? Like private goalie lessons? Like, are you kidding me? And it's amazing to see 25 years later, now, if you're not doing goalie lessons, it's like they look at you like, what do you mean you're not doing goalie lessons? Right. So, uh, you know, I, I think it's amazing how it's evolved and what we're able to do to provide the kids. And um, it's, it's funny how it's evolved. And I think from a player standpoint, from where you guys sit, I think it took you a while to catch on. Mm -hmm. Meaning we were in this specialized training thing way before the players. Right. And I think probably maybe you guys correct me, maybe 10, 12 years ago, you started to see the skill development get more specialized and, and get more, more specific in terms of the, the, the skills and the, the opportunities, you know, there was only like one Paul Vincent at the time. And now there's, you know, every corner you can get a power skating coach and a skills coach and so on and so forth. And, you know, am I right? Maybe 10, 12 years ago, it started to swing. And now, and now we're really hockey's really reaping the benefits of the skill. Yeah. I mean, I would say, you know, the, everything's kind of trickles down from the top league and you see the skill and the development of those players that are impact players now who, who went through that process at a younger age and you know it just really encourages that skill work you know the one thing that i have you know some pushback on is you know i think passing has been an undervalued skill because of so much skill work individually mm -hmm. you know and then team play uh, awareness it kind of goes off the uh, you know kind of is secondary to being able to you know skate and do things individually. That's just my opinion. Yeah. Um, you know, but you know, Mots, to add to it, I was talking to a scout today and they were talking about how it's, it's so hard to find now, basically uh, like your third, fourth line grinder type of guys. They're like, we have more skill guys than we have 
know what to do with, but which we need, wasn't the case, which wasn't right. the case, right? Yeah, Before, yeah. so it's 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 almost flipped, right? It's like yeah. everybody is, uh, you know, is super skilled, can toe drag, can Michigan, can you know, put it through their legs, and now the I think the hardest thing for NHL scouts is finding okay, who's gonna be our Trent Fredericks of the world, right? Like a guy like Trent Fredericks gonna get paid this offseason because he plays hard, he competes, and and just yep. does all the little things, right? Where you know, ten Evan, ten Evan uh, in yeah, exactly. exactly. Gets out there, causes just an animal, right? Yeah, yeah, right. Love that guy. So it's it, it really is. It's so uh, interesting. But you're right. Where and we've reaped the benefits of it too, right? Just Mott's and I doing defensive uh, defensive clinics, like in in right. our numbers in the spring and the summer are great because people are saying, all right, like my kid really enjoys defense. He's into it. He needs to work on his his you know, his one-on-ones, his backward skating, his, you know, walking the blue line, D to D, moving the puck, breakout passes, all that. And and that's what we try to really focus on. It's, uh, it's great. It, it, it's awesome. Well, at, at BU, we're really fortunate, right? We got Kimmer there. Yes. That, that's unbelievable. So we'll have, we'll like, we're division one powerhouse, right? Yeah, where these, yeah, these number guys one in the country, I think is pretty number good. one in the country. We get on the <laughs> ice and Kim's got his tires and his border patrols and the whole thing. And the guys are literally puts on skills clinics. Right. That's what the, these guys are, are, you know, at that level. And they're still doing the same stuff that you guys will do. But it's funny. You, you talk about the, the training, the defenseman, and it's all the little things that I think we lose sometimes. Yeah. And I, I think my my biggest dilemma as you know running stop at goaltending was we we have we, we have unbelievable coaches and we have these you know, these mini ranks and these six locations and we do these kids and the problem is the kids come, they do the lesson on the ice and then they leave. Yeah. And when I started scouting for Toronto, I got really dialed into the, like, who can read a play? Mm-hmm. Who, can, who can understand, who can understand the game? So from a scouting, you know, this is me as a, as a scout, okay? My five pillars as a scout. One is net coverage. And a lot of people misinterpret that for size. Yes, okay, the size help, absolutely. But for a goaltender, maybe the same thing as a defenseman, the ability to close gaps. Mm-hmm. For a goaltender to understand there's about to be a shot and I'm going to steal two inches, I'm going to steal three inches. A five foot 11 goalie can play as big as a six foot three guy. Yeah. And if a six foot three guy can't read and anticipate when the shot's going to come and he's a sitting duck, then that, then, then that he might as well be five eleven. So yeah. I think, so, so when I look at, when I say net coverage, it's not about size. And then the other thing is, is mobility. Mobility is so important. And it, it's so interesting. You know, there's a couple of tricks on, on mobility from a scouting standpoint is that all you have to do is look at a hard rim. You get a hard rim, you watch a goalie have to go out, stop a puck, pivot, make a play. It's not their puck handling, it's their skating. You yeah. can see if they can skate. You can see if they have an inside edge and outside edge. Some goalies will fool you because they got great inside edges. And their 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 goalie skating is good, but then they get outside the the crease and they can't skate. And like, oh boy, this is going to be a problem. Because I I, I remember 
sitting, I, I was at a game here. Uh, Toronto was playing Boston and uh, they put me in seats. I brought my family. They put me in seats like six rows behind the goalie. And I'm sitting there and I'm watching these guys on rims. I'm like, I don't know how they get to one of these. Yeah. And I scratched so many guys off my draft list that day because I'm like, they can't get the pucks at the junior level. How are they going to do it at the NHL? And if mm-hmm. they can't, then their D's are going to hate them because they're not going to be able to slow down a puck or stop a puck. And then the D's are going to be eating it in the corner time and time again. They're like, they're not going to play for this goal. So anyways, but so skating, skating number, number two, then you have the reading of the release. Okay. And this is something you guys can do when you're watching goalies too. The greatest thing that you can look at is when a puck misses the net. Okay. So picture that puck three feet over the net. That goalie's on his knees and a butterfly. The puck went three feet over the net. Like, why is he on his knees? Because he's dropping into that default butterfly before the pucks come off the stick. And now you know that he's just using his positioning or whatever. He's not really reading the release. Puck goes two feet wide. He straight drops and then reaches. He doesn't read the release. Easy. You got him. Can't read the release. Tryouts? Oh, yeah, you're all set for tryouts in in, uh, in uh, April or March or whatever. Um, and, then, and then it's the ability to read the play. You have to be able to read the release first. You have to know how to read the release. Okay, then – to read the play and and a really good tell on a, a reading the play is a power play so we all know what's going to happen on a power play everybody's using an umbrella going to hit the flank and have ov on the one time whatever yeah and i remember watching jake ondra his draft year he was unbelievable like he could literally go for a cup of coffee upstairs and still get to his spot on the power play like he he just he knew what was happening. He got to his spots. He got set plenty of time, make a save. He made it look like nothing. And it just showed you, okay, he gets the game. Yeah. And then my last one was the ability to make a save, right? This is the time where guy gets the puck on the back door looking at an open net. And then all of a sudden the goalie throws out a skate, a pad, a glove, and makes that save. And that's when you go, okay, you got all that other stuff. And now you, now you, you have the ability to make a big save or a timely save. That means a lot. So getting back to my point, my point was, so, you know, we, we got this great training, but we weren't, there really wasn't time to work on the mental uh, side of the game. And that's when I started my stop and goaltending you app. And the idea was that we could provide playbooks and system so all these kids watch Instagrams and it's 40 seconds long and it's 30 seconds long and they get this little tidbit or whatever. I'm like, no, let's take half an hour and learn the four core moves that players use on a breakaway. And let's learn the four core save techniques that we need to use to stop 95% of what's going to happen on a breakaway. Mm. So my thought is like, you, you think about, Joey and Joey's path, which is a little unique. Um, like this guy was in a rink. <laughs> he, he was in a rink like five days after he was born, right? He was, I was, I was coach at Brooks school yeah. and uh, as a head coach at Brooks school at one point, and he was in the locker room with me. 
and he would be the he would be the kid that I'd sit there watching games. He would sit down and he'd just watch game after game after game. And there's something to be said about watching highlights, which is good. But I think sometimes the kids forget we gotta watch the whole game too. Right. Not that's just, something that that Mots and I have said since we started this. Yeah, you got to watch the game and you got to you got to understand. And um, it, part of my app, we have a, a coaches call every Tuesday night at seven thirty for this premium membership thing. And so we talk. And last night was all about: Do we spend enough time talking to the goalies about identifying what parts of the game that they had to raise their level of play? That means you give up two quick ones, you're down to nothing. You know you give up another one, the game's going to – you know what's going to happen, right? Yeah. And it's the goalie, if you want to separate yourself from the pack, it's the goalie that can give up those two goals, and let's say two of them are crap, it doesn't matter. But it's that goalie that can flip that switch at 2 nothing, or it's 3-1 to one to start the third period and they got a power play. And they can flip that switch and shut them down and come up with that big save to buy your guys enough time to get going, score that three to two goal, get some momentum. Now we're back in the game. Right. Right. Yeah. That's that's like a huge component of a goaltender, the mental toughness of the game awareness of momentum and being able to stop it and, you know, feed into, you know, turning it. For the, the group. And that's one of the biggest things that I enjoyed playing in front of, you know, guys that already innately got that. Yeah. And, you know, you want to play harder for guys that, you know, are vested, you know, for multiple reasons. But going back for pucks, you know, I, I played with Marty Brodeur. That was, he made my job a lot easier. You know, he could handle the puck. With, he was an unbelievable skater. So he could get to those rims, like you were saying. Yeah. And then, you know, he was like another defenseman, just move it, you know, five foot pass or he'd, bypass us but those skills that you know you're talking about you know there's it's definitely you know you get the basic fundamental you know angles movements and then you can use those as like building blocks and i think one of the last ones is getting out and stopping that rim and and being able to make good decisions with the puck so you know when so joey was joey has one ehf game played okay so you never yeah never played in the ehf he played for the New England Moose. Okay. Wow. Now, so he, he's got one EHF game played. So we always, from a family standpoint, like from my philosophy, so we always valued the environment over the level. And it was all about the environment. And and like come to, to really grow and understand this position, goaltending is so hard. Like it's so mentally hard. You have to be so tough and so resilient. You have to love it. You, you just have to, like you guys talk about it all the time, the fun. You, you know, like you go to the queue, you got to remember to have fun, right? I went two yeah. years with my brother when he was playing. I played for two years. Like, like when I talk to my kids now, when we talk about the tournaments and going to the Bell Cup in Ottawa, can't remember a game. Yeah. But we can remember the trip, the car ride there. We can remember the whole like, Like, so you, we just put an emphasis on on, on having fun. And so it was, it, it, it wasn't a level, but to go back to the, the puck handling and the stuff. So, so Joey 
Joey went to North Ann Arbor High School and then he went to Cushing and it was like, he was too slow. Mm-hmm. When I, I came home, the first practice, I was the goalie coach at Cushing. I came home. I said, I made a mistake. Yeah. I, this was a big jump. And Joey skating wasn't, wasn't good enough. And that's when I, I came up with something I call mobility skating. And what I started having him do was instead of doing like, you know, you see the goalies work a triangle or they work their crease skating and you do all that. Yep. So I started putting a, a cone where he'd have to do pivots around the cone. And most importantly, I put it, I put, I would put sticks down. He'd have to step over. He have to lift up his feet and it, it took two years and then he's playing the Beantown classic and he goes behind the net to stop a puck and the puck kicks off the boards and goes right for his feet. And he hops the puck one foot after the other and the puck goes to the other corner. And I went done. Got it. <laughs> but, but it's so funny because then like a few years ago, I saw videos of Connor McDavid doing all this skill work when he was a kid and they constantly had him jumping, jumping over things, stepping over, jumping and get picking his feet up and bring, bring him down again. And I went, yeah, that's, that's what I, that's what, I created with mobility skating, the ability to use your edges in goaltending. There's a push and a pull. So if I'm doing a shuffle to one way, I've got a push. I push with my leg and then I pull it back in. Mm -hmm. So think about it. Every time you have to pick your skate up over a stick, you're emphasizing the pull. Every time you have to hop, you're emphasizing the push. And if you do this in an exaggerated, I call it a foundation drill. If you do this in an exaggerated way, now when you're just doing a normal shuffle or a normal T-glide or drop step, now you have more pop. You've got more push. You got more power on your push. You got more pull, power on your pull. And then that makes a better skater. So that was the skating part of it. Now the puck handling. So in that winter classic, one of the guys said, Joey is considered one of the top five puck handling goalies in the NHL. So that's not me. That's someone saying that. Right. So I used to come in the basement. I've got a high basement with the foundation and, and Joey would be down there and he'd, he'd have his G1 slide board and he'd be doing his triangle and his figure eights and he'd be shooting on the net. And I'd get so pissed off at him. <laughs> so I go down there and there he was with player gloves and a player stick. And I'd say to him, I'd say, dude, you want to be a goalie, put your freaking blocker on, put your glove on and grab your goalie stick. That's the only way you're going to be strong enough to do this. And he goes, yeah, but that's no fun. Mm. This is, I, I have fun. And he shot puck like that kid shot pucks. What I didn't understand at the time was the fine motor skill of, of, toe curling that puck and handling that puck, the fine motor skill that he was learning by using player gloves as opposed to a goalie glove was what really gave him when he got stronger and then had the goalie gloves and the whole thing that really gave him that skill foundation. So he was the teacher. I was a student on that one Yeah, yeah. because I was, I was choked every time I walked down there. I'm like, dude, you're killing me. Just grab your, grab your goalie stuff. You want to be a goalie. 
That's funny. That's funny. Hey, it's uh, our kids can teach us some things. That's for sure, <laughs> especially this day and age. But you know, you talked about so many different things. But I, I want to touch on. So you've authored two books: uh, Hockey Goaltending and How to Be a Goalie Parent, which is, uh, you know, obviously. <laughs> I wish we could all, you know, whether it's goalie parent, hockey parents, I, I wish we could all author a couple books on that stuff. But uh, what was that like? And, and, you know, talk a little bit about the books. Yeah, well, um, so I actually started with hockey goaltending. Hockey goaltending scored, uh, sold 35,000 copies, right? Wow. That was my first one. That was way back when. I literally, you know, didn't know anything about goaltending, but it sold a lot. Um, <laughs> but, you were the uh, only one. You were ahead of the curve. I was like, let's go. Um, I was, it was funny because I was in Europe. It was my last year there and I'd blown out my knee and I was bedridden and I, I bought this, uh, new, uh, device. It was called a laptop. It was really cool. It had this floppy disc thing you put in it and yeah, it was unbelievable. So I was, I was, so I, I was sitting there and I had nothing to do. So I decided I might as well write a book. So I, I, just sat there with my knee up and I wrote a book, but anyway, so uh, it's funny hockey goaltending uh, or how to be a goalie parent. It actually came from that night in Buffalo. So uh, Joey's first game in Buffalo. And then I'm on the plane with Danielle on the way home, my wife and Alex. And, and I said to Danielle, I said, look, I said, you know how many decisions we had to make and how many decisions we had to get right to get to this point. I go, you know how hard, and we're talking about how hard it was. And I said, I'm in the freaking, I'm in the business. Like I know, I, I know yeah. a lot about goaltending. I know a lot about how things work. I've coached, I coach it virtually. I've coached it virtually every, every level, level there is. Right. And, and I'm like, and it was hard for me. I'm like, how is it for parents? So I said, okay, I'm going to write a book, how to be a goalie parent. And so I wrote this book. I, I sell one or two a day. It's yeah. constant. It's nonstop. It's amazing. And it's on Amazon. And so like every, every, every day that the people are buying it and I get, I get the greatest comments and it's more like it, it settles parents down. Right. Because I, I know in one of your shows, you talked about the, the brick. Yeah. Right. And going to the brick and the oh, whole thing. We get, we, we get plenty of questions about that in our mailbag. That's for sure. I, I, I turned down the brick. Yeah. So like um, Joey got asked to, to, to play in the brick and I was like, Oh, so what's the deal? Well, we go to Las Vegas and we go to Buffalo and then we do this. And then we go to Edmonton. And, and I was like, yeah, but we got the new England sports center and there's tournaments every weekend and I don't have to give up. <laughs> three weeks yeah. of my life to go do this. And the brick wasn't at the magnitude it is now. Uh, yeah. So it's at a different level. This is going back, you know, 20 years or whatever. But, but uh, I, I just, for me and, and our mentality was like, and, and in the summer for us, summer training is the most important time for goalie. Mm-hmm. It is a non-performance period. It is a time where you can really work on your game. And we always had a rule. We played three tournaments a summer. That's it. Spring, summer, three tournaments. You know, Ryan Pecknold said it the best. He goes, I've seen more kids lose scholarships in the summer than get them because they sign up for too many tournaments and it's just another tournament and you can't help see what you see as a coach. Right. 
And if they just played the last two weekends of tournaments and now they're playing their third weekend in a row and they're showing up 10 minutes before the game, strapping on the blades and getting out there and they're 75 percent, that's that's what you see. Mm-hmm. So I have I've always used that. And I've always said, if we're going to play three tournaments, we're going to play them for real. We're going to get prepared for the tournament. We're going to get there on time. We're going to we're going to prepare like it's a regular game. We're going to do everything like it matters. And I also had another theory on the tournaments. I always signed Joey up for teams that he didn't know anything about or didn't know anybody. So I made him walk into locker rooms where he didn't know anybody. Yeah. And he had to go prove to a whole new bunch of kids that he could play. Wow. And, and I thought that that was one of the better things that I've done. I thought it was a really good thing. So it wasn't walking locker room and you're in there with your buds all the time and you're just playing with your buds. And is there value to that? Yes, absolutely. I'm not saying don't play with your friends in the spring. I don't need any emails about that. (laughs) I thought it was really an effective tool because a goalie has to win a team over. You have to, you know what it's like playing for a guy that you don't think can stop the puck. It sucks, right? Oh yeah. So I always, I always talk about a goaltender has to build a team at the prep school level. You need the AD on your side. You need the equipment guy on your side. You need the string. Tra- you need the the uh, the uh, athletic. Tra- you need everybody pulling for you. You need to have this. You need to build this this um, team around you that's going to support you because you're not always going to be good. But you've got to prove to everybody you can play. And I thought that putting him in those situations and making him walk into driving him to Montreal to play in a tournament where he knew nobody and dropping him in there was was one of the best things that I could have done for him. Yeah, that's an interesting uh, kind of tactic. And I think it's it's good. I mean, yeah, as far as being able to, you know, go in and have the confidence to, you know, go in and, and play and meet people and, and I think that's just one of the things that as a goalie, you need to have that confidence internally. So going into a locker room should not be a problem. You know, just go in and, you know, goalies are weird though too, Brian, let's just face it. Right. You know, like they're, they're the ones standing in front of the hundred mile an hour shots. And I, I don't and, think so. I don't think so. If I had to stand in front of your shot without, with just a freaking visor on and some elbow pads and shoulder pads, like I wouldn't do that. Why would you, why would you stand in front of the net? and stare at you and let you take a freaking bomb from the point. Because <laughs> back in my day, defensemen used to put the – remember? Defensemen used to shoot low. Yeah. Right? Now well, it's I just was, freaking bombs away, and guys are standing there with, with their buckies on, and I'm like, they're, they're out of their mind. Like, no, I I, I got like $3,000 worth of equipment. I'm the smart <laughs> – the goalie's the smart guy, dude. <laughs> I have a muffin, though, so it wouldn't hurt that bad. <laughs> Oh, that's classic. I'll I'll, I'll touch a little bit on that too with the, with uh, some of the other philosophies that, that we had, Joey, we were never in a rush. Right. And a goalie is different than a player. I think it's important for players to play with other good players. I I really do think, I think if you want to be a good player, you got to play with other good players. I don't feel the same way about, about goalies. Mm. I, I don't think it's okay if you're on the best team in the EHF. I think that's awesome. But, I, you know, to find that team that's middle of the pack, 
that's great too. And, right. and for a goalie, not, not necessarily, but I'm just talking goalie. You don't have to play in the top level. As long as you're getting the work and you're playing at an appropriate level, a good competitive level, you can continue to improve. Yeah. And I've always felt like, like for a goalie, like goalie is so much, it's so much has to do with self-esteem and confidence. Right. And I always thought like, you have to build that. You have to build that confidence that you're good. Look at how many North American league goalies can't make the USHL, but go to college, Connor Hellebuck, go to college Mm. and stand on their head. Mm -hmm. Because if you look at the, you could pull up the North American league app right now. And I'll, I'll, I'll virtually guarantee you the top 20 goalies will have over a 915 save percentage. Wow. Okay. And I will tell you, they would, they will not be 10 USHL goalies with over a 900. Right. And why do you think that? Because. Well, the, the competition's not as good to start, right? The USHL's. The, the North American League has the same weight, okay. is a little bit older, has the same weight on the shots, mm-hmm. is at a good speed level, but all your high, high super scale kids, the ones that will dangle you and the yeah. ones that will beat you will be in the USHL. Right. All your next level good players are in the North. The North American League is the greatest league ever created for goalies. Wow. Okay. The USHL is a tough, tough league. You can argue like age-wise, the USHL is better than college. I mean, there's 16 USHL teams. There's 61 Division One teams. Figure it out. So if you, you you take a look at it and you, you bring that age down, like, like that league's unbelievable. And it's hard for goalies. So your guy, like if I'm coming out of the North American League and I'm stepping into U Lowell next year, and I'm coming out with a 932 and a 220 goals against average, I think I'm really good. <laughs> and if I think I'm really good, then I get a, a really good chance to right, succeed. Your, con- your confidence is sky high. Without a doubt. So we always felt like, they, so could Joey have gone to prep school as, as a freshman? Yeah, maybe he goes to prep school. But for a lot of guys, it's a kiss of death because you stand, spend the next two years sitting on the bench. And then by the time you're ready to play, they go rec- over, they recruit over you and they bring in the next guy. So, so, so Joey did two years in North Ottawa high school and he kind of like, he was ready to move on. Okay. I got this. Right. So then he went to Cushing and when he played his first game as a sophomore, repeat sophomore at Cushing, he had 48 high school games played. To me, that's putting someone in a position to succeed, right? Right. Yeah. So he got about 12 starts his, his sophomore year, and then he played junior year. And then it became, do you leave going into senior year? And do you go to the Null? Do you go to – he was drafted in the USHL, I think a, a solid 225th overall. <laughs> So, so he had that whole decision. And the the thing about that, Joey was also the captain of the soccer team and the captain of the tennis team. He wanted, he loved soccer. He, he loved soccer and he loved playing tennis. Like, like he loved the whole prep school thing. 
captain of the soccer team, captain of the hockey team, captain of the tennis team. Like what's better than that? And he, and, and we decided to stay. And a lot of people pushed us to, to go do something else. And funny story. I, I never told this. I gotta be real careful how I tell this, but he was strongly encouraged not to play soccer his senior year. And it, they were, they were pushing us. Don't play. So he's got to, he's got to skate every day. He's got to play. He's got to play for this midget selects team, you know, that whole thing. And cause yeah. he was doing the new England fall prep. And um, eventually I said, okay, I said, I agree. He should just concentrate on hockey. I'm going to pull him out of Cushing. He's going to go junior. going to play for the uh, 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 Minnesota. I think it was the Minnesota magicians or wilderness, or whatever. And they're like, oh, 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 wait a minute. I'm like, well, if he's not going to do the whole prep school experience, like, why is he why, like, he might like, let's go all hockey. Oh, no, 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 no. That's okay. He can play. He can play soccer. He can play soccer. And, and yeah. uh, so, so he stayed. And the year before he was 14th in central scouting for the North American goalies. And that, that senior year, he was uh 10th and he ended up getting drafted. And it's so funny. Andrew Raycroft says this all the time. 16 minutes can change everything. So Joey interviewed with a bunch of teams. They didn't draft him. Ottawa drafted him. Never came to Cushing to see him play. Never interviewed him. And they drafted him. You know why they drafted him? Because they had three guys that went to the Beantown or the, the, yeah, the Beantown Classic. And they were all there. And Joey put on a show for 60 minutes. You had the director of amateur scouting. You had the regional guy. And he had their goalie guy and, and he gets, he gets drafted in the NHL because pretty much because, because, of, because of one game. Wow. Yeah. And That's in goal, amazing. like Razor says it all the time. Yeah. Says you got to stick with it. Cause you never know when your 60 minutes is going to come, Yeah, but you got to, you got to stick with it. But that 60 minutes can make that 60 minutes, a bad 60 minutes at the wrong time that can do the same thing. Absolutely. So, so that's why it, it's so tough, but, so he stayed, he stayed there. And then he went to the USHL. Um, well, I'll tell you another part, if I'm not too long-winded here, which is interesting. So his senior year, he played in the, um, uh, the, the Lawrence Groton tournament. Yes. Yeah. And I, I think they lost to Dexter in the championship game of that. And he had gone on five college visits, five college visits, not one offer. And, and that, that's tough when you go, like oh, yeah. that doesn't happen too often yeah. anymore. Like right. they bring you in, they're typically going to offer you. He went, did the whole song and dance five times with no offers. And one of the reasons is at the Cushing tournament his junior year, he laid an egg against not, uh, Northfield Mount Herman. Like literally everybody was there. Of course. They lost five to two. He did not play well. And in recruiting, I call it a wave. Kids get on waves his wave was building up. He's on the NHL, you know, the whole thing His waves building up. These teams are talking to the whole thing. And then he lays an egg in 60 minutes. Yeah. Boom. That wave just crashed, crashed, like <laughs> literally crashed. Oh, that's great. So anyway, so we go the next year, this is a senior year and it's, um, so they lose, I think they, they lose to Dexter and we're driving home from that tournament right before Christmas. And I said, Hey, you know what? You're having a good year. And things are going well. That was a, a really good game. You, you really had a good tournament. It's not good enough. I go, if you want a scholarship, if you want to play pro, like you have to be better. You can't be at this level. 
you have to play at a higher level than you're playing at. And I say this all the time when I'm coaching, when I coach kids at practice, I'm at the, when I'm working with the, the goalies at BU, I said, don't practice at the division one college level. You need to practice at the pro level. You need right. to get to your spots faster. You need to get on rebounds faster. You got to be faster than the guys on the ice. And I know we're a national level team. You got to be faster. That's what you got to do. So, so I put the screws to him. Yeah. Okay. Gave it to him. And, but, but, but sometimes that, that honest conversation, I real. think is, is, is yeah. real and, and they need it. Yeah. Um, Brian, this is, this has been unbelievable. Some great insight. And obviously it's been great hearing, you know, like your story and stop it. And, and, you know, I think everybody's going to be reaching out. Uh, we, uh, we really appreciate you taking the time to come on and, and we're going to have to do it again. Cause there's like a, a, a whole lot more stuff that we have to get into, but, uh, it's a, you know, one of those things. So thank you again. This has been a, a, a real treat and best of luck to, to you and everything. And obviously continued success for Joey. It's been a, a blast to watch a fellow Cushing alumni. Well, I, well, I appreciate it. And I, I appreciate your time and what you guys do because it's really good for hockey and it's all about what's the best for hockey, what's the best for the kids. And, and you guys are good for hockey. So thanks for thank what you do. Thank you. Yeah, thanks appreciate a lot, Brian. It. Tell Panda we say hello. I will do that. <laughs> All right, buddy. Thank you. This interview is also brought to you by MCN Sports Management. Hockey parents, are you tired of going to the same tournaments or just looking for an event that is truly unforgettable? If so, then listen up. Since 2018, MCN Sports Management has become a world leader in international hockey tournaments and tours. With tournaments in four different locations across Europe, there is something for all ages. Whether it is an individual looking to join a team or full organizations looking to travel together, we have the perfect trip for you. MCN is in full swing preparing for their 2024 overseas events. They currently have openings for players and teams from U11 through U17, boys and girls divisions, to compete in some of the most prestigious events in Europe, such as the Nord Cup, the Lions Cup, and the Bauer World Cup. Don't miss out on these unforgettable hockey tournaments and trips that you and your family will never forget. Visit them at mcnsm.com to learn more about each of their tournaments and how to join. That's mcnsm.com. And be sure to tell them the Ring Shrink sent you. That interview with Brian DeCord was brought to you by Sparks Hockey. Sparks is the at-home or on-the-road skate shopping machine. Head to sparkshockey.com. Make sure you use that BYMOTS $50 off coupon code for your Spark Shopner. Uh, Sparks is the gift that keeps on giving. It's, a, you know, you take it on the road, you, you use it at home. I know we're heading up to Pee Wee, Quebec. One of the first things on the parent group text was, hey, I'm bringing the Sparks machine. Anybody got any wheels? We got a, you know, half inch, three eighths. Uh, you know, that's like number one being loaded up on the, uh, in the, in the station wagon, heading up to, uh, the Pee Wee Quebec tournament for our junior Terriers team. So again, head to sparkshockey.com. Make sure you use that BY Mott's $50 off coupon code, uh, sparkshockey.com. Again, it's, uh, it, it really is. It's the gift that keeps on giving. It's going to save you a ton of dough and it's, uh, it's very, very helpful to know that the kids are going to have fresh edges up in Canada. Like having your own equipment manager on the road. Exactly. Exactly. One hundred percent. I bet that's gonna win you a game up there. Sparks hockey. So. The the Sparks machine is gonna win you a game. 
Yeah, I'm going to have to buzz the wheels. We got a couple practice sessions, so I'm going to make sure that, you know, you never know. Somebody could be taking some video camera footage or something, so I got to make sure my skates are uh, looking good up there. Yeah, yeah, I can't be out there looking like a bender. Um, and there's nothing worse when you have no edges as a coach. So, but that was a uh, fun interview with Brian Decord Mott. Uh, obviously, he's you know clarified some some different goaltending techniques, and he's had such an interesting career, and he's been around such a long time. Just a, a, a real wealth of knowledge. Wind him up and let him go, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he uh, very knowledgeable. I, you know, I like his story though too. Understanding like where he you know picked up a few of his. Uh, things that he continues to teach about, you know, the angles and having a game plan and, and being, you know, quiet in his movements as mm-hmm. a player. And then, you know, that's, you know, kind of the foundation on where he started to to really uh, gain traction with seeing results, you know, when, in his coaching. So, uh, and like having that experience, that Disney-like experience with the, uh, the Winter Classic with his son must have just, you know, really been, you know, an emotional time for him and his family, like he talked about, but it was just Disney. I that was a good, good way to put it. I'm, I'm sure it was just like not real life. So, uh, yeah, great guy, you know, again, wealth of knowledge and, uh, happy that he shared some of that knowledge with us. I just want to go back to being a, a you know, a high school kid with my license and being able to go shoot on goalies like that. Talk and get about paid. The best, and get paid. Talk about the best summer job, like possible to be able to go and rip pucks on goalies. So that's, uh, he, I think he's going to be getting a lot of inquiries from, from our listeners that live around here or close to where his camps are being held. Cause it really is a, a no brainer for, for a young kid to be able to do that. Imagine being like, just go and rip pucks for four or five hours a day. That'd be phenomenal. It really is. I mean, I remember, do you remember Bo Shaughnessy? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, I like, I remember shooting as a young kid. I think I was just a, a, a freshman or maybe a sophomore. And, you know, you get the blisters, and, but like it works on your shot itself. And this is like just getting reps for the goalies, you know. And then when he was talking about certain, you know, drills that, you know, you need to not try and score. It was really for the goalies and, you know, guys are trying to score. But I would, um, <laughs> yeah, I, w- I would absolutely have Ryan sign up for, you know, to, to be a, um, a shooting instructor or not instructor a shooting a shooter a shooter just 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 be a shooter yeah and you got to keep it low at times so you have more control over your shot if you're trying to work with the goalies and i think there's so many benefits but yeah i would i would absolutely sign up for that if you're making a couple bucks too yeah be able to pay for all the sticks that you break from shooting that many pucks too. You'd have to get a wooden stick or something because if you're shooting that many with the way that these things are these days, you'd be a TSI once a week. Yeah. Oh, that's a good point. (laughs) (laughs) But maybe with the warrant warranties, you know, you just wear them out in 30 days and get a new one. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, all right, Mots. Now it's time for the My Hockey Rankings question of the week. Make sure you head to myhockeyrankings.com and see where your team stacks up. Uh, we're getting into tryout time. You know, kind of we talked about it a little bit of mating season and things like that. So we had a couple kind of inquiries and we're going to talk more and more about this stuff as we get into, you know, now it's 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 February, really. It's it's kind of crazy. The tryouts are a month away for, for most organizations. I know we got our you know contract links and tryout information got sent out from our organization uh, this past week. So it's kind of crazy that it's already here. So I think we're going to touch on a lot of this stuff. But 
if uh, you know one one of the my hockey rankings question of the week we can hit on first here is if you're not on an elite team are you able to attend an elite tryout um that's a good question Mots. what what's your experience there yeah i would yes if you are not on the elite level team you can um you know practice and and try out uh for an elite level team somewhere else for yes. sure right and this is pri- yeah. uh, this is prior to going to tryouts but yes you can skate with another group um because really it's not to prevent someone from trying to attain the top level it's really just about kind of poaching teams from the top levels right so if there's an opportunity right and i i I think the way that the question too is is um you know if your kid is playing in one organization on the on the tier one level could he go you know basically skate with another elite organization uh, you know potentially that that you can make it i know typically within the ehf unless the rules have changed um that you would be able to do that you would be able to, to to go up and you know, potentially goes from one organization to the other and skate kind of even before tryouts took place and see more or less if you you may fit in on that team. And then obviously you'd have to attend the actual tryouts and everything. But I think the league rules typically allow you to do that. I know, um, you know, it's that time of year too. And we have some other questions about this as kind of those ID type skates. Some parents had some um, you know, we would submit it, I should say some some, you know, my hockey ranking questions about the Ident, you know, ID skates, and what does that mean? So, more or less, from from my understanding, especially when I was running the Terriers organization years ago, and it's it's obviously been a few years now, but the we would have you know non EHF, so our league would be the the Eastern Hockey Federation. Anybody that was with that was outside the league that was not part of the the EHF, you would have an ID skate, and a lot of times it would be, you know, a small fee, maybe pay for the ice, or maybe even a free skate. If I think back to it, and it allowed all the the EHF, uh, you know, that I'm sorry, my teams to be able to look at these kids that were maybe playing within another league or were playing within, you know, a town program or something like that, and able to kind of identify them and say to them, Hey, you know, you may fit in on our elite team. You may fit on our tier one team. You should really come to tryouts and things like that. So it was kind of a, a good way to attract some different players and talk to people from other organizations. Not that you want to be like poaching, but you know, sometimes parents are looking for a little bit more and it was a good way to kind of get their feet wet without really a true commitment before tryouts even took place. I think it is a, a good idea to have this because, you know, it gives kids opportunities to be seen uh, instead of, you know, like the the herd of the tryouts. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you kind of can get a, a feel for the kid's game and skill set and, you know, maybe have a better conversation with the parent leading up to, to tryout. So I think the ID skates are very important and they serve a purpose. So uh, if there's some ID skates available, uh, definitely, you know, give some strong consideration to get out there and, and have your, your player um, skate and, and get, um, you know, some, some looks, free looks pretty much before tryouts. Yeah. And it allows a coach to see, you know, sometimes at, at tryouts, there's a hundred kids on the ice. And exactly. this gives you one more opportunity to kind of be seen by the coaches. So it's a good thing. And we talked a little bit about mating season. We've brought that up quite a bit. And I know we, we, we had a question about it. Uh, it's kind of this time of year where people are flirting with other programs. So it's, 
you know, what does it mean? It means like, you know, hey, I'm picking up the phone. I'm calling uh, a coach from another organization. Hey, we, you know, what do you need next year? We're thinking about making a move or, you know, everybody's kind of like in that free agent juggling for, for who's going where, who's doing what, who's losing kids. What, you know, is, is one team blowing up and needs whatever, 10 new players, different things like that. So it's just kind of like a silly way of talking about it. I think it's a, you know, a, a Buddy Yandel original line about the, the mating season where everybody's picking up the phone, calling people, sending emails, you know, trying to lobby to get different players on other teams and things like that. Not always what we try to promote here, but we know that it's definitely going on. Yeah, I think he nailed it. Good, good description of, uh, <laughs> of mating season. Yeah, lobbying for your kid and getting information for next season, which is sending uh, videos, talking up his stats. You know, yeah, all, which all is like eight, eight months away, which is crazy. <laughs> exactly. Um, before we go here, uh, Beanpot starts up next Monday. Obviously, we got BC versus BU round number three. They played. You know, they're kind of playing a third time pretty quickly here. So that's going to be one match. That's going to be the late game. And then Harvard plays Northeastern in the um, in the early game. So pretty exciting. I'm hoping to make it over there on uh, on Monday night and catch the first round. I know I'll be up in Canada for the finals, but it's always a, a, a you know, great time of year here in Boston. First two Mondays of, uh, of February, you know, BCBU this year in the late game and Harvard and Northeast in the early game. A lot of teams are... All those teams are playing well. I was talking to a buddy of mine whose kid plays at Harvard. They're really catching some fire here. And Northeastern had a big win this week versus uh, versus BU as well. So it'll be uh, it'll be a fun time. Yeah, it's such a great tradition in the Boston area for these four schools to to lock horns first two uh, Mondays of February. You know, there's a lot of bragging rights involved, but there's a lot of points like on the line as well because of mm-hmm. you know the. The, the rankings of the of the teams and um you know regarding the bcbu matchup it's tough to be at a team three times right yep. and especially three in a row yeah and and with the talent that bu has they're going to be you know raring to go for you know number one the bean pop but just for a little payback over the from this past weekend uh that'll be a good matchup in the late game and you know like you, you mentioned harvard's been playing well northeastern they've uh been you know, cha- uh, the Beanpot champions um, more than you know the the other three have in the last five years. So it's yeah. you have a you know a, you know that's all it takes. Sometimes it doesn't matter how well you or you know well or bad your season's going. It can be a real kind of you know turning point if you want to say for you know jumping into the, the later uh, portion of the season. Here, I just remember we. We lost in the first round, and then we didn't lose again until the national championship. And that was just like a motivator, and it's just a great way to break up the season. Uh, and you're playing in front of a packed house, so definitely going to be uh, tuned in. Uh, probably going to try and make it with uh, Ryan at least uh, to one of the weeks. Mm-hmm. So we'll see what happens here. Yeah, absolutely. And then uh, I, I saw Mike Sullivan, which is pretty cool. He was inducted into the Beanpot Hall of Fame, won two of them in 1987 and 1990 at 13 points in eight bean, Beanpot games, which is pretty uh, pretty impressive. So obviously he had a hell of a career coaching with the uh, you know with the Bruins, and now been with the uh, the Penguins from quite some time, winning a couple cups. So cool to see him get inducted. I know that Beanpot luncheon is uh, a pretty cool thing. I'm sure you took place in a few of those. Yeah, Coach Sullivan had a a great college career. He's gone on to have a great 
pro career and and now as as a coach, he's he's really evolved um, mm-hmm. as you know from a head coach, and then he was Tortorella's assistant for a long time, picking up different ways to um, you know get the most out of his players, and he's a very intelligent hockey mind. But as a player back in the bean pot, and players elevated elevate their games in big games, and especially the bean pot because it's so you know kind of wildly known as you know just like a, a huge event around here and um you know it's really cool to see guys elevate their game 13 points uh in eight games is 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 real and he deserves uh to be in the the bean pot hall of fame and yeah i remember they did grizzlick and uh his dad his together dad. yeah that was, was last, was that year. last year or a couple i years think ago? so i think yeah. so yeah that's that was, that's yeah. like so cool yeah but, uh, yeah, congrats to Coach Sullivan, and uh be tuning in on Monday for sure, whether I'm there in person or on the uh, terrible telecast. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, it won't be terrible. It's at the garden. Just kidding. No, yeah, yeah, they'll 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 be good. I can't imagine what the uh, what the ticket prices are going to be like. I know that you know I was hearing that BCBU games, obviously for students, it's one thing, but for you know they they were the ticket prices over for at yeah, it was outrageous. Like I, I talked to a couple people, it was nuts. But uh, I think they were actually saying that the Saturday night at BU was um, more expensive of a ticket at that point in time, like a couple hundred bucks per seat over, uh, you know, more than the bean pot where you get two games. So it's wow. it's kind of kind of crazy. Maybe they just maybe like the you know sixty five hundred people or whatever Aganis holds all had the heads up that it was going to be on that brutal TV coverage. Okay, so let's get yeah. There. So they were like, dude, I don't care how much it costs, I'll pay five hundred a ticket if uh, <laughs> if <laughs> versus watching this thing on TV. So um, yeah, maybe they would just you know outsmarted the rest of us. Yeah, I mean sometimes you got to outsmart the telecast. <laughs> exactly. Uh, you, you know what's going on, but hey, great stuff. Obviously, uh, exciting to talk to Brian Decord. Hopefully, everybody enjoyed it. Uh, thanks again to all the uh, all the sponsors. And just a reminder: the show was presented by Bet Online, and it is time to cue the Rink Shrink Shuffle jersey. We will see you next week. <laughs> <laughs>